We are very excited about today's show. And before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. So Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen. We are known for our super intense courses that are so in-depth, they give you all the information you need to know. So we saw a need for a pageant dictionary, like a beginner's guide to all the fancy phrases they hear in pageantry that they may not really understand at first glance what they mean. So we've put together a massive dictionary, A to Z, with all of the most popular terms and phrases about the pageant industry. So everything from appointed title, round robin interview, um, pretty feet. So you, you name it, it's probably in here. Got it. Okay. So the benefit for us putting this together and the benefit for maybe newbies coming into the industry from your experience is what? I mean, if I were a newbie coming into the industry, I would read it from top to bottom because why not? It's really easy to read. It's sorted by letter. Um, so you can just kind of scroll down and see, or um, if you have a, a word in mind, you want to see if we have it on the top, you just click the letter that is pink and then I'll drop you right down to that specific um, letter. So if you are on a pageant resale site, like trying to get a deal on a, um, a dress or a fun fashion outfit and you see the phrase, OOC, that's outfit of choice. But like, you might not know that that's what it means or OOAK, one of a kind. Um, so if you see that, you can just go right to this article, um, click through, scroll down. But I would suggest reading it top to bottom just because it's a quick read, really segmented and organized. And it just helps you be more in control of the things happening in the industry around you. So good. Um, all right. Is there a cost associated with it? How do they find it? Um, all that stuff. So it's a totally free article. And again, it's like dozens of pages long when we put it in our own documents. But it's so insightful. And like I said, it's so organized. You can find it by visiting pageantplanet.com and click articles. And it'll take you right there. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we are going to be talking about overdone pageant trends. So, Jesse, set the stage for us. Hey, Stephen, it's no secret that many of our listeners and followers are not novices in the industry, and a novice simply means fairly new or just starting out. And sometimes newer contestants will see or hear a trend, latch onto it, and replicate it, not realizing when they do it, it'll be like the millionth time a judge will have seen it because they've probably just seen it once or twice. So today we are going to be discussing some overdone trends that we have seen over the past few years and how to avoid them. Mm, that's really good. And some of these might might I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, right? I mean, mm -hmm. one, like every panel pretty much has a novice judge. And if you're a novice comp competitor, a novice judge is just that, somebody that doesn't know really anything about pageantry. This is more than likely their first or second pageant that they've ever judged. Mm -hmm. So they won't know any of these overdone trends because they're not familiar with the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And even, even the things that we say, like they still might be the right thing for you. But we want to make you aware and then the decision is yours. So don't take this as if we say it, you can't do it, use it, replicate it or make it your own. It just like one of those things I like I use. Let's perfect example. I use the phrase 
the crown to be, I want the crown to be my microphone and my resume for my first MIO local when I was 17. Cause I heard Angela Perez Baracchio say it, who was Miss, oh my God, I'm so old. Um, Miss America, like 94 or something said it in, um, in an interview. And I was like, I love that. So I latched onto it myself. And then as I got into the industry, I realized like, okay, it's one of the most overdone phrases, but I had no idea. So with that said, like, just take this for what it's worth, adapt if you need to on your own choices, um, and then trust your instincts too. Yeah. And you know, some of these might be overdone in America and maybe not like you might not have ever heard it if you're in Australia, South Africa, Europe, or Canada. So there's that geographical thing too, that, um, you know, for you, it might be like, wow, I'll be a trailblazer if I implement this in my country, but use it with caution because, you know, thankfully we have a lot of listeners all over the world and, um, you know, we have kind of a, a pulse on what's going on in the, the global pageant community. So use with caution um, if you do implement it. But with that said, Jesse, do you want to go ahead and start us off with the first like appearance section? Yeah, so there'll be two sections, the appearance section, and that means like what you wear and how you look, not the appearances you go on. And the second section we'll talk about is the interview section, common phrases that we see that are used in interview, and we'll provide with alternatives too. So the first in the appearance is um, everyone's favorite shoe, the tippy top, and tippy tops are just a popular version of nude colored platform sandals, um, and they're like six inches tall, and they have been worn on stage for several years across Multiple categories, divisions, and system, system, systems. Wow, that was a struggle. <laughs> Steven, it's like, can, do you want to talk about like why they're overdone maybe? Yeah, totally. I mean, too many contestants, like they use these shoes for every phase of composition. And like, I get it. They're very versatile. Um, however, to me, it just feels like you don't think about a shoe to complete your look and you just went the safe route. Like, oh, I need a shoe. I've already bought these. They're like 80 bucks. Let's just wear them out for every phase of you know competition. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of point number two is I've just seen way too many toes go like over the edge and like through the straps. I mean, it's like there's so much pressure. Yeah, and they kind of spread out and that pinky toe is hanging over the side or you know, just <laughs> all the toes are just jumping off the front of it. And, you know, I can promise you if the judges have been judging for any length of time that they've seen the toes do their thing, too. Mm. And finally, many contestants wear the shoe because they just don't feel like they have the height to like um, and they have walking challenges when they use them. And, you know, just expert tip here. Don't wear six inch shoes if you don't feel comfortable, period. I mean, the thing is, the judges are going to realize that, you know, you're short. (laughs) <laughs> because everybody wears big shoes, right? So even though you yeah. wear six inches, you're still going to be, you know, however, whatever the distance is, your height wise between the tallest girl and you, it's still going to be the same, right? So what's an inch or two anyways? Yeah, but, the um, only time that matters if you have those is in a group lineup and so little of your time is spent in a group lineup to compare you to somebody else. So if you're worried about like how your legs look in shoes and like when you're wearing like a short dress or you're in swimsuit or fitness, it's just one of those things where like a four inch heel will do the same thing for your legs that a six inch heel does. Yeah, that's good. Now, do you have a possible alternative to tippy tops? I mean, should platform shoes be like, just banned altogether? Because we've seen a lot of that in the USA um, pageant this year where there was just like no like platform. It was it was very low to the ground. Should well, it be abandoned altogether? Yeah, so I'd say find a sandal with a more modest platform. So an inch or an inch and a half. 
And one, platform actually on the front of your foot make your shoe more comfortable when you're standing on it for a long time. It's just more um, more cushion between your foot and the floor, which is where a lot of that strain comes from. And the second, it makes, makes the pitch of the heel itself um, less severe. So if you have a platform, you have a four inch heel. Okay. Now it's only a three inch heel. So it's a lot easier to, on your feet. Um, so I would say that's one thing you can do. And like you said, Steven, if the judges can see your shoe and there's a two inch platform, they know you're significantly shorter. So you're not fooling anyone, a simpler shoe that might have something, an element that goes more with your outfit, um, will prevent attention from being drawn to your feet in a negative way. Yeah. I'm kind of going to take a little side tangent here, you know, a shocker. Do it. But, I mean, there there's some pageants like, you know, in India um, and Miss Earth where there is a height requirement, right? So, I mean, you have to be a certain height in order to compete. But, like, there's no judging score where the, the director tells the judges, okay, and automatically crown the tallest girl. Right. You have to, yep. there's some, there's some pageants is fine. You have to be a certain height to compete. And that just is what it is. As long as you meet that height requirement, there's no extra bonus point. If you can walk in a six inch heel versus a four inch heel. So mm-hmm. like, you know, to, to Jesse and what Jesse has said in previous episodes, if you're going to look like a baby giraffe trying to walk in these high heels, just don't do it. Just elect for a smaller heel. I saw a girl last year walk in eight inch heels in their evening gown. The only reason I saw it is because I'm seeing the pageant. So I saw her backstage. So the judges never would have seen it. But I, I don't even think I would say like if I were a judge and I would have seen it, I don't think it would have been impressed. Yeah. Like I don't think it would have. She had like these uh, literally eight inch heels in her evening gown. So you couldn't see them. But it wasn't like I would have scored her higher because she had higher shoes on. Right. Gosh, I Just feel like those crazy. things would be so heavy. Too. They looked heavy, man. They looked. <laughs> it's like those ones that Lady Gaga had. You remember? Without you the should... heel itself, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so that that's the tippy tops. Um, we have a lot of other versions of shoes on Pageant Planet, and actually, um, we're rolling out shoes, uh, nude shoes for women of color um, this week. So you'll be able to see it um, at the recording of this. They, they won't be live when this episode goes live. But in the following week, you'll be able to see new shoes for women of color um, on our uh, episode or on on our shop. So I'm excited to reveal those to you. Yeah, that's um, true. Nude isn't nude for everyone. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so that was tippy tops. What's the next kind of appearance? Something that's been overdone. Yeah, so sock buns and other overstyled hair looks. Steve, you know what I mean when I say a sock bun. Is that the thing where like Olivia Coppola had where it, her whole of her heart, hair was there and uh, up top? Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> you know? yes. But so it's like it's, really neat. And, and they have like special um, hair elastics where you basically just scoop your hair into it and it creates that perfect circle on top of your head. Yeah, it looks like um, like Brillo pad in a circle and you put right. your – put it your ponytail through it and then you just kind of wrap it around. So it's like mm-hmm. definitely a trend. Um, and that's exactly right. I think Olivia Culpo really did start that trend when she won Miss Universe. And for several years that have followed, this has been very popular. Um, and when I say overstyled hair, um, I see it a lot in younger natural pageants. Like, and I totally get it. Like it's a lot of pressure on parents to do your own kid's hair 
when you're not sure what to do or how to do it. So a lot of parents will take their kids to a hairstylist that's not a pageant person, and we see like perfectly coiffed hair. So it's like hair sprayed to high heaven. It's not moving for days. It just feel it looks like a little crunchy, right? Just yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I get it. Yep. So like. And like with regard, like so, how, why it's a why this like look is overdone for the sock bun? I've seen several that look like straight up bowling balls, and there is a fine line between being too small, so it like looks disproportionate, and then too big because of the nature of the style, like it can feel contrived either way. Um, and then we talk about that over style, both in a bun or otherwise, they keep their hair like this in all phases which isn't a judge favorite. Like it helps with memorability. Like the judge will be like, oh yeah, that's my, uh, that's my crispy hair girl. And that's like not a favorable thing. Like you don't want that to happen. <laughs> right. And I mean, how often, and like for those that wear like the bun for every category, like how often do you wear a gigantic bun to the beach or the gym if you have a fitness or a swimsuit competition in your fashion? I, okay, so I, I kind you know of- the gym, you ever see somebody in a giant bun? Uh, if you do, it's like, okay, she's here for show, not for go. Like she's just here to walk on the treadmill for a few minutes and say she went to the gym and then she's going to get her like her smoothie at the mall. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, but I do get it. I mean, as you said, it's kind of easy. You put your hair in a sock bun, it's there, it's stationary, and then it's somewhat universal, right? You use it for every every phase right. but like what's some possible alternatives for people that are like oh, that was my safety net that's how i, I save time I to do guilty. wardrobe changes in the back i mean what's an alternative there's a couple alternatives it, the look is your hair off your face that's the look you're going for so there are several alternatives first either slick your hair straight back so it's like there's no and a lot of miss universe contestants do this so it's on trend straight back so there's no part in your hair just straight back um, uh, or you can like part it a deep side part and then slick the front back. And how I fake this when I do it myself is I will side part my hair. I'll take the front two sections that fall in front of my ears and I will pull it into a tiny ponytail under the rest of my hair that's down. So it looks really sleek. It's off my face. It's flat, but then everything else is still like voluminous and does this thing. So it's just a really good look to keep your face, your hair out of your face. Uh, a couple of other alternatives, um, soft and tousled are really in right now. If you look on Pinterest or the red carpet, it's like soft, loose, not on purpose, kind of looks like it just kind of happened organically. So try playing with a loose pinned up style that doesn't take a lot of time and doesn't have to look perfect. And then finally, your favorite, Steven, ponies are in, baby. Yeah, like, it is my favorite. Like a high pony, a mid pony, a low pon- pony, like all of these things give you the same sleek effect as the overdone styles, but still look really fresh, very now, which is new school pageantry. Um, and again, all heights and textures, you can do straight ponytails, curly ponytails, t- uh, teasing in the front, no teasing, it all works well. Yeah, ponytails are my favorite. Love my wife in a ponytail. Um, okay, with the thing, I thought you, I thought that was neat, what you said about you take the the lower hair and you pull it really tight behind your ears and then yeah. you do a ponytail under your hair. What's that? I'm sure a lot of the girls listening know exactly what that's called or whatever. But just in case somebody is a novice and doesn't know, I don't know what that thing is called. Um, is there a specific name for it so that girls could maybe YouTube it to oh, know, find out how to do it? Well, Kevin calls it a rat tail. I'm not sure what the <laughs> term is. 
I don't know if there's a term. I just did it once and it worked and now I do it all the time. I don't know if it has a name. So I'm going to describe it in great detail. Hopefully that will help if they okay. want it. Like, I, I don't know how to do it. So, okay. So part your hair in the center or on the side, whatever you do normally, and then take a comb and from that part, draw a line from that to right behind your ear and take that section in the front. Repeat that on the other side. So now you have two sections of hair you're holding in front of your ears. Then, so you comb that, spray it, you pull it around the side, and your other hair should be like clipped up so you can do this easily. You take a tiny rubber band and you secure it at the nape of your neck, at the bottom of your hairline, really, really tight, and then you just lay the rest of your hair over it. Okay, so I'm taking it, so I'm taking it after I do the part thing. I'm taking it, uh, I have a piece of hair both in both hands, yeah, and then I pull it straight back behind my ears and then I tie it in a ponytail. Right. At the base kind of, of your neck, at your base of your hairline. Uh, is that the Amdula Oblongata water boy? That's a, <laughs> you know? that's a brain thing, Stephen. I know, but like that's where it's located, right? I, I don't know. I, okay. The nape of the neck. It's very easy for <laughs> okay, me to say it that way. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. um, th- so that's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it. Nailed it. Okay, great. Good. All right. So what's the, what's the next um, appearance factor? That's so overdone. the next is solid color shift dresses. Um, and this we see most for interview, onstage question, introduction, orientation. Many contestants will opt for a solid color basic shift dress. It's very clean looking, professional and safe. And Stephen, I'm sure you've seen this a million times. So like why in your perspective do you think this is overdone? For just the solid basic? Because it's yeah. safe. Like, yeah. and that's why like all these trends uh, and something gets overdone because like, oh, that's good. It's safe and you can use it pretty much in everything. And so mm-hmm. people offer the safe because who really wants to stick out? I mean, it sounds romantic to say I want to stick out and be different from the pack. But when it gets really down to it, most of us want to fit in to mm-hmm. the tribe. It's like, a, what is it like, you know, back in our ancestral roots, nobody wanted to be kicked out of the tribe because it was dangerous. Right? Mm. So it's like right. that gene has been passed down to us. So it's just like that internal fear. But that's my two cents. Am I right? You're right. And there are, y'all, there are so many online retailers available. The options are endless. Spend some time exploring different styles, colors, or if you have a shift dress that you truly do love and you, you have to use it, like make it fresh, add some specific accessories that make it feel more like a style than you just put on this dress and put on nude shoes. Like pageantry is so different now than it used to be. So some alternatives to the shift, the solid color shift dress, jumpsuits, rompers, separates, unique straps. So even if it's not like a tank strap, like are you doing a different neckline? Color blocking dresses, mixing and matching different bright colors are all trends you can explore. And this past season, especially like Miss USA and Miss Teen USA, separates made a huge comeback in a modern and feminine way. I mean, we saw at least 15 suits at Miss USA, Stephen. Does that like sound right to you? Yeah. Who was it that wore the tuxedo suit? Remember, we were like, oh. oh. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And her yeah. whole wardrobe, Pennsylvania's wardrobe was awesome, like all week. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that was really cute twist on the tuxedo and it's like, she had a lot of confidence to pull that off. She nailed it. I mean, if you watch any Bravo show like me who watches all of them, a lot of them take, um, they're like confessional videos where that what's what them on one reacting to situations. They, all of them wear solid color things, 
but the top of it is always visually interesting, like a headshot look. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love the way that strap looks. I never would have thought of that that way. So just be thinking of how you can update the solid color in a way that's not just like standard strap. Like I think that's really what um, we're talking about is like the most basic square box, high neck, thick tank straps. Just make it unique, make it different. Like there's no excuse. The world's at your fingertips when you're shopping online. Just do some digging. You'll find something. And is it pretty safe to say that um, if you want to make your wardrobe or your dress, we'll just say like dress, interesting, you either have to have a unique color, like a unique fabric, or like kind of a unique cut or element to it, or like unique additional material that's placed on it. So one of those four, I'm sure there's probably others, but that's just off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. To make it unique. Like if you have a standard color with a standard cut, it's going to appear boring, safe. If you have a standard color with a really unique cut, right, that could be, as you said, interesting. If you have a standard cutter, color that's laid on a really expensive or unique fabric, then that would like, it, the color is going to show up different. So the color is going to look different, but it's really the fabric that's creating the color, changing mm-hmm. the color. Yeah. Um, so basically when you're selecting your dress you want one of those four things to be unique because if you have nothing's unique on all four of those then it's just like eh, okay it's just an extra dress right cool that's it all right so now let's shift over to those are the three things for appearance what about interview what are some trends that are overdone in interview oh the phrase i will use social media oh yeah that's been around a while gets me right in the heart every time <laughs> So I I use this because like with social media being so prevalent in our society, it's like no doubt that most contestants are thinking about how to incorporate it in the title holder plan. Absolutely. Two thumbs up. You should be doing this to repair for how you can use it to increase both your impact and promote your title. Um, It's overdone because literally anyone can say it. Anyone can say it. And they've done one minute of work or 200 hours of work. We see it for both of it. And it does I don't want you to be discounted because you said the same thing someone who did one minute of work did. You best be preparing something more detailed and strategic. The phrase alone will not give a judge confidence that you will execute well or have thought about a plan at all. So right. Stephen, you are a social guru. Do you have some alternative suggestions that you might be able to share? Yeah. So, I mean, start looking at social media platforms and really pick two or three that you excel at personally. Um, and it doesn't even have to be two or three. If you just excel at one and you have a strong backing, a strong plan, because I mean, think about it. In an interview, you have a limited amount of time that you have with the judges. So you don't have time to go through your business plan on every single one of them. So if you just say, well, for example purposes, I choose Instagram. And then you go in specifically like how you would grow their following on Instagram or how you would more importantly, recruit other girls to compete in this pageant through using Instagram as a vehicle, that's going to be a lot more powerful. So um, basically think about like where you like plan to post and Mm -hmm. also think about like what your, what your goal is. And the goal of every director is to get more contestants. I mean, it's, it's simple. So think about like what you're familiar with and how you can leverage whatever platform, Pinterest, um, let's stay away from, well, I mean, you can use Twitter, but Pinterest, Twitter, um, Facebook or Instagram, one of those four, or even YouTube and say, here's how I'm going to get you more contestants using one of these, um, five channels and just lay out specifically, maybe like two or three bullet points of how you're going to do that. And then that for me would give 
me enough like confidence in you as a judge to say, okay, this girl like actually thought about her, uh, this girl or guy actually thought about their plan and I have confidence that they can execute it. Yep. I'd even say TikTok is a viable option. Some people are really talented at making TikTok work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hits a younger demographic than most other channels. So if you're looking at trying to recruit from the ground up, like don't limit yourself. If you have a natural ability with the platform, go for it and go for it all the way with your plan. Because like just using the phrase, I'll use social media isn't enough and it's not going to win you the title over anybody else. Yeah. And even introducing something like TikTok, that's not necessarily like mainstream that maybe your older demographic of judges will be familiar with. They might say, well, what's TikTok? It's like, oh, it's really great. Here's the thing. And then you can kind of educate them a little bit. It's like, wow. All right. This girl like knows her stuff and she's up on the trends, which can work for you. Yeah. Good job. Um, All right. So that's (laughs) the use social media phrase, which it just like, oh, I'm going to use social media to help grow, you know, this pageant. Um, what's another overused phrase in interview? So I want to be a role model. Uh, You've I heard it. Role, I want to be a role model to younger girls. Yeah. Um, I hear that a lot. So, and I always hear it in a pageant voice. You know, it's kind of like the server voice where the server walks up. How are you all doing today? You know, at the table, we're like, what? Such a fake voice. I always hear that in the the pageant voice for, I want to be a role model. So what does it mean for maybe somebody who hasn't heard that phrase? Yeah, so it's just when contestants, when judges ask contestants why they want to win, it's very popular. It's one that no one can argue with because it's a popular reason and one that's very admirable. So it's just, it's again, just like the solid color dresses, it's very safe. Um, and it's overdone and for the similar reason that it is for social media, anybody can say it. It's a generic phrase, doesn't offer anything memorable or anything that will connect a judge to you. When I give our clients the advice to tell stories and we find stories that work for them, it's so that they can make those connections. Because if you're just using generic things, they're not gonna latch on to anything. Um, plus, many contestants don't really know why they actually want to be a role model. Um, they just kind of talk about, I wanna be a role model, but they have no reason behind it. Like, so I say, why do you wanna be a role model? Why is that important to you? Um, and they often kind of blank. Crickets, so, yeah. You can hear crickets chirping in the background. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they say it, but they don't know what it means or why they wanna be one. So. The alternative is like if you want to continue using this phrase or a phrase like it, make sure you have several stories to connect with. So, for example, here are some questions that might elicit a story. So pretend or rewind or pause and write these down and then think if you're going to explain the answer with a story, you'll be on the right track. So one, who is your role model? Two, why are role models necessary? And you can look at this like, okay, who is your role model? What did that do for you? Three, who do you want to be a role model to and why? Because you want to be a role model to anyone, you're unlikely to connect with anyone. So if you have a more like solidified direction, your actions can be completely geared toward that demographic. So once you start to narrow down your scope, like, Again, if you're a title holder, you can make great impact, but you'll make greater impact if you have like a distinct plan for one area versus trying to help everyone a little, if that makes sense. Um, and then the last question is, what is your role model experience? How have you already been a role model to somebody? Look and be prepared to elaborate. If not, it just feels like you're saying it because you feel like you have to. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's just a way I, it, echo what jesse said look deep into this topic and just be prepared to elaborate like what the judges 
ask you because again, they want more detail than just, I want to be a role model, you know? So, um, specifics shows that you thought it through vague generalities shows that like, okay, you haven't put much thought into it. You check in a box. Yep. All right. So what's the, what's the third one in this category? The third one is I'm pretty new the last couple of years. Um, and it's, the, the quote, I know this is a job, or I want this job, or I will treat this like a job, anything with the word job in it. Um, and there's no, no doubt that being a title holder should be looked at as a job. Some of us, like it's an all-in full-time job. For others, it's more part-time. But regardless, the level of commitment and responsibility required to see a title through is like no joke. It can be long days, early mornings, speaking agents, photo ops, shoe blisters, sore cheeks from smiling. It's the hardest yet the most glamorous job in the world when you do it right. Yeah. And why is this overdone? This is overdone because there was a trend about five years ago that stemmed from the advice, quote, make sure you ask for the job before you leave the room. It translated to contestants actually using the word job in every interview. And you don't necessarily need to go be so direct in recognizing it is a job. So the alternative here is introduce the job as your plan instead describe the skills you plan to put toward this. And the phrase like, as Miss, Ms., Mrs., Mr., X, whatever your title that you're pursuing, I will dot, dot, dot. And that goes a long way to showing judges you've already thought about the heavy requirements of being a title holder and you're asking for the job in a way that shows like, okay, she is putting herself in this position, she or he is putting herself in this position to show that they are ready and they've thought about it and they're prepared and they know what they're going to treat it like it's a commitment and a job. So you don't have to say, I'm ready for this job. This is my dream job. Like all of it is just kind of tired. Yeah. So is it something that they need to go into so much specific detail? Like, okay, like I know that this is a job so that, um, you know, as Miss Ohio, um, I plan on setting aside, you know, Monday through Friday, five to seven to just do social media networking to find new contestants for, you know, this pageant, something like that, or I don't think you need specifics to that level. I think it's okay. more once a title holder establishes what their personal goals are with the title holder as with the title, they can then go and say, okay, here's my plan of action. Here's like the overarching theme of it. As long as you're giving enough detail where I know you've actually done the work and not just saying you're going to use social media. It's like, you're going to use Instagram to promote your, um, Monday motivation in a way to, um, uplift women's confidence. Like if like that is at least more direct than I want to be a role model and use social media to do so. Does that make sense? Yep. No, th- that makes sense to me. And if anyone needs additional clarity on that, um, just go to pageant prep. It's on the menu uh, of pageant planet and you can like access for 29 bucks us dollars you know you can access a portal you can ask all these questions to jesse she'll answer them and and clarify in detail and all that good stuff so um all right so if you were going to summarize all this like how would you do that so in summary as we mentioned like these are not steadfast rules it's more to educate you on the popular decisions and allow you to choose your own direction so the moral of the story though is New school pageantry is about individuality, making the stage your own. So be true to yourself and not things you've seen be successful in order to stand out from the crowd. Got it. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you've received any benefit from this podcast or from ones previous, please consider giving us a five-star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. 
Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world. 